rabbit holes, brainwaves, nightmares, and campfires. You're listening to the Mind of Melodic podcast, hosted by DJ Melodic and Queen Melody. And now, it's time for another ride through the Mind of Melodic. What's up, Planet Rock? Welcome back. You're listening to another edition. This is episode 14. I'm DJ Melodic, and this is the Mind of Melodic podcast. The first couple, I will, the first dozen episodes, I was lucky enough to have Queen Melody by my side. And uh, adding the secret spice to this, ep- to, to this podcast. And together we were on our way to take Joe Rogan's spot. And um, unfortunately, she's ill. She's been ill. She's still ill. And I talked a lot about that in episode 13. And let you know what's going on with Melody and what's going on in my life and in my mind. Um, I, I listened to the episode and just to kind of review it and... I noticed that there was a couple things that were missing. Um, I forgot to mention a few things. I gave you a bullet point, two bullet points of how you can't trust this government during Satoshi's vision. <clears throat> but I never mentioned, I've mentioned the first one and I never mentioned the second one. I wanted to touch base on that real quick because if you go back and listen, I talked a lot about the crypto situation and and a lot about how um, it's affecting our economy and decision-making. Decision-making in in spending and in politics. But um, I I wanted to tell you that your leaders were lying to you. Your leaders are misleading you. And I I gave you a bullet point, and I forgot to uh, mention the second one. And that second bullet point, um, I think, is very, very important. Because our, our president, Biden, recently, um, and it's not just once, it's on several occasions, the president has taken credit for creating jobs. If you go look back at all the press clippings, all the interviews, and all the speeches, how many times, dozens of times, that this president has been given credit and taken credit for creating jobs. And I'm going to break it to you down this very, very simple. We were put in our rooms on timeout. In 2020, we were told we were not allowed to go to work. And we were not allowed to go to amusement parks and concerts and festivals and um, car shows and other things like this. So we were literally the child that was being punished, put in the room, and and being grounded, okay? We had our jobs taken away from us. And this, plus a lot of people's depressions and attitude towards the system or their employers, and plus the employers, not valuing the employee. This created a crazy unemployment situation. 
But recently, we were allowed to go back to work and go to festivals and concerts and ball games. And the job situation changed drastically, rapidly. And our president recently took credit by saying that he and his administration have created more jobs faster than any other administration ever. And there's a couple things that are going on right there that just really, really irks me. One is we were grounded, taking away our jobs, unemployment spiked. We were taken off a of punishment, given our, um, which really is not a punishment, it was more like a distraction, like I explained. But we were allowed to go back to work and commute and do all these other things which disturb the economy and create jobs. So this spiked, right? So how could he create or take credit for that, right? Taking credit for that is a blatant lie. And doing so for something so simple and so obvious must make all of you wonder what else he's lying about, what else he's misleading us towards, past, current, um, present, and future, because this is a 40-year politician, and um, it's just scary to think that how long we've been going through this and how much longer we are going to continue to go through this. With that being said, the only new jobs that are arising in America or the globe um, have to do with entertainment, such as social media, YouTube, and broadcasting. And then you have technology, electric vehicles, computer chips, um, you know, all this is sparking new jobs, programming, dApps, blockchain technology is creating new jobs. And our president has no idea how to operate on the blockchain. But now that it's become so big, he set his administrative administration and, you know, his goons to distract us from it, to convolute it so that we can't profit from it so that we can't gain power <clears throat> that was supposed to be said in the last episode forgive me for not I also mentioned a couple other things that in my personal campfire that I mm, I think needed a little bit of um, a little deeper perspective for you one was I told you guys I had went through a really rough patch the last last you know few months of 2021 last year I got my daughter a new car she didn't want it um, <laughs> sold my truck which was paid off so because I didn't have parking for it and then um, got into an accident right and insurance was trying to take the car from me and well I forgot to mention why I even got into that accident. And the reason why is because 
I wasn't sleeping. My roommates and life in general wasn't allowing me to sleep. Um, we'll go into it later in other episodes about exactly why. But my roommates weren't allowing me to sleep. And <clears throat> when you don't sleep for a very, very long t- period of time, it catches up to you. And when it catches up to you, it's like being drunk. And driving drunk is not good. Driving sleep deprived is the same as driving drunk. So it happened. And, you know, I had to pay the consequences for something that I was dealing with that maybe I didn't deserve, right? The way the cookie crumbles. I can whine, complain, frustrate, and go into uh, a shell of depression, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, I have to deal with it. I have to deal with it. And, um, you know, trying to deal with it, I didn't want to rent anymore. I didn't want to deal with roommates. I didn't want to pay somebody else's mortgage. And in some sort of like desperate plea from God and this, you know, loneliness that I had during the holidays, I wound up, you know, not going to the bar, not going to the strip club, not splurging on a bunch of fancy clothes. Uh, I literally tried to Turn my crypto profits of 2021 into a down payment for a house at the casino. I felt that God owed it to me, you know, and um, that kind of didn't that didn't go the way I wanted it to. So I wasn't going for fun. <laughs> I was going. You know, literally while I'm sitting at the table, I'm trying not to think about the ladies because I want to focus on getting this money and getting up out of there and going down payment and and not renting a room anymore. So I failed to give you guys that perspective and, and I think that it was important because my roommate situation led to me driving sleepless. That's like being drunk. That led to the car accident. The car accident led to more consequences and then that pressure made me, or not made me, but led me and allowed me to make a, a couple of poor decisions, you know. And I sold the crypto at the right time because the market was dipping. But what I should have did is held it or bought Tesla, right? And, um, or something, an NFT video game, something more tangible to sustain my value during the dip so that I'm not dipping with it. I could have held it into stablecoin and bought it a couple months ago when it was at its bottom, right? When Bitcoin was at 19. So a couple decisions didn't go right because I was desperate to get uh, my own home. And I told you that that's, you know, what kind of led me to um, the holidays being so rough. And then um, I surely found Melody after. So... Go ahead and check out that last episode. It's episode 13. In today's episode, we're going to get pretty heavy. um, But the good news is I'm going to try to play some more music for you. 
and hopefully that brightens it up and helps um, you know guys and vibe with me a little bit more. But we're gonna get into my um, campfire story. I'm gonna tell you about second grade, which actually ended up um, taking me out of state to Iowa. We're gonna we're gonna talk about crypto um, and Satoshi's vision. We're gonna talk about the Feds recently making uh, a new law and uh, new guidelines, a press release of guidelines for banks, you know, our current and traditional banks to start operating with crypto wallets. We'll talk about that a little bit. Um, we're going to get into um, a little bit of catching up with Melly's situation. Melly's still in the hospital, and the situation past couple weeks has been really rough on me, on her, her family, and um, we're going to talk about that a lot. And 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 then finally, finally, I got a story for you. Um, the kind of um, gets into the theme for today, which is fuck racists. You know, um, our spotlight's gonna be Tom McDonald, and I think his music touches on that a lot. I think um, the fork in the road um, is gonna really give you guys something to to um, think about. And um, and then it's going to tell you a lot about Melody and our relationship. It's going to tell you a lot about me. So um, without further ado, let's go ahead and take a quick break. <clears throat> I'm going to get um, a big shout out to today's sponsor. Um, and then I'm going to play the new track. So um, Jill Cat Pro Line has been sponsoring these past few episodes and a few more to come. They've been a big supporter of the podcast since the beginning. And uh, Jill Cat is actually a, a uh, state-of-the-art technology that's uh, a formula, like an aerospace formula that they have um, perfected and used for cars. Um, for, uh, basically any automotive engine and it's gonna help your vehicle run like new again. Um, Google, um, Twitter, search, Instagram. I don't even know if they got TikTok, but that's Jill Cat Pro Line. We're gonna play their commercial. I'm gonna play one of my tracks, and we're gonna get into the, to the next um, segment. I really appreciate you guys listening in. And uh, once again, it's DJ Melodic. I'll be right back. I want to talk about sludge. It happens after you drive your vehicle for a while. It's a buildup of motor oil that gels, then collects dirt, metals, and unburned fuel. Sludge prevents oil from getting to the critical engine parts it's designed to protect. You'll notice your vehicle running rough, stalling, even vibrating. That's because friction is damaging your engine. Jill Cat Proline is the solution. The science was engineered for aerospace, tested in racing, and used by our military. 
Now, you can use this well-kept secret to protect your engine from future buildup, extend the life of the vehicle, and save on repair costs. Order at JillCat.com. J-I-L-C-A-T dot com. your snuggie and your favorite cuddle buddy because it's time it's time it's time for melodic's campfire
All right, campers, I'll gather around the campfire. It's a little uh, scary, this little nightmare. Uh, this nightmare story continues. I told you guys a few episodes ago about my childhood. Teenage mother got kidnapped. Uh, and I'm getting beat by the the um, Catholic school nun. Get kicked out of a Catholic school for um, taking the, the the yardstick and, and hitting them back and defending myself. I, I talked to you guys about them hog tying me and force feeding me Ritalin because they said that I was um, hyper and uncontrollable. And, um, you know, all this basically happened in my first six years of life. First grade and the prior. And then today we're talking about around seven years old. I was in second grade. They took me and my sister um, to Iowa. And I cannot remember the name of the city. I, I just... I tried to Google it and look and look for the for the elementary school and try to see pictures. I just can't remember the name of the city. But I'll tell you what I do remember. I do remember it being the, the coldest part of my life. It was a winter where the ice was so slippery on the freeway one day we spun out in the car. We spun out on the highway and ended up on the side of the road in like this little ditch. Um, I remember everybody was freaked out. Maybe it was even on the way to Iowa. Um, so the, we lived at this, 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 maybe it was like a two story or three story uh, if you count the basement and um, top of the hill, it was the top of the hill. Um, I remember that the sidewalk had so much ice on it that I could like kind of slide on it all the way down to school. Like, you know, I would just keep trying to slide to school. We had to cover up, you know, um, snow boots, you know, snowshoes, thermals. It was cold. At the school, I remember it was like, um, um, there's an elementary school, a middle school, and a high school all in one. And I believe the elementary school was on the bottom, middle school on the next floor, high school on the next floor. On the high school floor, they had a vending machine, soda machine. I used to always try to run over there and get some dad's root beer. That was my thing. And I'd be running back downstairs, slipping on the ice, grab a snowball, throw it at somebody, hop back on the bus. Um, or, you know, get to walking up that hill to get home. Iowa, um, I was in second grade. I remember I had this crush on this girl named Cody. And Cody, she was... Um, she was beautiful. She was a beautiful tomboy, you know, and hung out with the fellas, snowball fights, all that good stuff. And um, I remember it was Valentine's Day came around, and 
I put like a paper airplane in her desk and I wrote, I love you. I remember asking the teacher how to spell the word love. And I wrote it on the, on the paper airplane and tried to sneak it in her desk because I was so shy. I remember that um, she never even found that dead, that paper airplane until the last day of school. Um, or wasn't, yeah, maybe it was the last day of school. Yeah, so we were out there for a while because it was right before summer when we ended up leaving. So Cody, um, she was like a big crush. She was a big crush in Iowa, second grade. And um, me and my sister, I, I remember. So that was also the Christmas I found out there was no Santa Claus. I seen some gifts, some board games or whatnot in the garage, stuffed away. I seen them, wanted to play with them, couldn't play with them. And then a couple of days later, they were under the Christmas tree. So. Um, like I said, these people who kidnapped us were literally trying to pretend that we were a family and that it wasn't a kidnapping. And wrapping up Christmas presents and shit and trying to, um, you know, spoil us on Christmas Day. Or not even, not even spoil, but just continue with tradition, right? Which in a way was a spoiling you know, if you're considering, you know, the privileges of them being, you know, in America and having even a board game to play with. I mean, I'm pretty sure a lot of people around the globe don't have those luxuries. So it's weird. It was, you know, I was in this dynamic where it was dangerous. I was kidnapped. I was unhealthy and but I still had these little bonus privileges that made it tolerable and kind of, you know, gave a brighter side to the childhood. And me and my sister, we um, we lived there until the snow dried. And I remember um, playing, you know, in the yard when the snow was gone in the spring. I remember um, this this um, this man that kidnapped us, this marine, this grandpa. Um, pretty sure his name was Eugene George. I don't know, Kenneth Eugene. Kenneth Eugene was her dad. So George. George. Yeah, it's George and Shirley. So George was the grandpa. And he was a Marine. And he was able to hide us because of, you know, you know, the, 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 the I guess the privacy, right? The records and bouncing around from Marine base. That's why we ended up in Iowa. Military um, base. And so... I remember there was this one day where, for some reason, me and him weren't getting along. And he threw a rock at me. Um, the rock split my head open, the top of my skull. And um, 
It was literally like a like a, a, a dent in there, which cut it and and had me leaking. And Shirley patched it up, and then um, I was, you know, trying to recover from that. You know, I guess maybe it was a day or two later. The cops came, but they weren't arresting George for the incident. There was some other situation going on, which I didn't quite understand at the time, but we ended up packing our bags and moving back to Northern California. And the reason why was because George was molesting my sister. And um, my sister Melissa got to a point where she didn't even remember it as a teenager. So either it never scarred her but she found a way to block it out. And um, I don't really even remember if he was ever arrested, convicted, but I do know that we were separated. At that time, we packed up our bags and we were on the Greyhound. And we took the Greyhound to Northern California. We were living in um, various areas. I think we stayed in Redding. I remember in Redding, there was a Toys R Us right across the street from the Motel 6. I always wanted to go to that damn Toys R Us. Um, then we visited um, her family, Shirley's family, which was like in Oakland and San Francisco area. We were in Sacramento for a little bit. But then we tried to settle down in Merced. And I was in Merced for a couple years. So in the next episode, the campfire story, we'll go ahead and try to get you caught up and talk about Merced. Okay? Um, That's my childhood. That's a crazy little childhood story that I had going on. And we're going to continue to... We're going to continue to get you caught up with, you know, um, my biography. So you and my kids can understand and maybe learn. Um, I want to take this time now to kind of flip the script because we're still in campfire mode. And I want to tell you a story about me and Melody. Um, This story has a lot to do with today's topic. We ended up visiting. We got an invitation. We got the invitation to a birthday party at the winery for one of her friends. Melody's... um, friend Brooke 
and I believe her husband's name is Ron. They've been married for a while. They have kids and good friends with Melody. Um, she was anxious to introduce me, and um, um, you know the winery is a good spot, right? Summertime. Um, it's supposed to be all good. And when I got there, you know, me and Melody just lingering in the back and let everybody talk and do their thing. We don't butt in. We don't, we're not looking for attention and. Um, we're just playing the background, you know, low-key. And Ron wants to include us, and he asks us a couple questions, and I gave my opinion, and Ron was like, man, I like this guy, I like his, you know. Ron took a liking to me. And when I met Ron, I was surprised, because he's like 6'5", black dude, and um, Brooks, Brooks White, and we're in Temecula at a winery, Literally 85% of the people there are white. So when I, I turn around, I get introduced to Ron. I'm like, oh man, like, hallelujah. There, you know, I, I just, it just doesn't feel right when there's 85% white people there, you know? And I was just glad. I was like, what's up, brother? You know, I'm, um, just, just to have that diversity there. I was, kind of um, impressed and, and proud that, to see a mixed-race family there, you know? And, and here we are in 2022 still, you know, worried about that issue. But Melody's friends, I, I, was, I wasn't aware. Melody introduced me, and I'm like, okay, cool. I'm treating him like a brother, right? And we get along, and there's some other people there, and they're talking. And um, one dude's talking about being in this locker, this VIP locker, and all like hanger after hanger of brisket and all sorts of meats and steaks and and prime ribs and this like the meat locker. This is like this upper echelon VIP locker he was in, picking meats for him and his family or whatever. And this same guy, you know, we uh, we branch off. I let the girls be do their thing, and the guys do their thing. And I'm kind of like the new guy, just hanging around. I'm playing it low key. We're walking around the winery. We're taste testing, shooting the shit. It's all good. And now, um, I don't drink that much, but um, I like to drink, and when I do, I can. But I, I tend to try to hold it back in public. I don't try to um, extend myself and get too vulnerable in public like that. Especially around strangers, especially when there's so much banter and debate going on. I just try to avoid it. And, um, you know, we're all um, drinking and drinking and drinking. And then one of the gentlemen offers to buy some chocolate shots. These chocolate shots are like a cup of chocolate. They pour one in there, you drink it. They pour another one in there, you drink it, and then you eat the cup. And it's pretty cool. Uh, I mean, I wanted to make the winery, you know, kind of one of our segments, you know, because there's some cool spots, cool um, perks, you know, and cool things to that spot that I, I like. And, and Melody likes that, you know, um, we can enjoy on a date night. 
And, uh, you know, we're getting tipsy. I'm getting tipsy. I'm getting comfy. Good thing is, I don't have to drive. And um, maybe that had a lot to do with me drinking more. My car was in the shop. And Melody was doing the driving. And I kind of let my guard down and drank a little, little more than I normally do. And we head back to the canopy. And... Um, we we get to uh, a point where it's just the guys. The girls are still gone. We're sitting down. We're drinking. We're talking. And one of the gentlemen that was talking about that meat locker, this guy that was talking about that meat locker, has this weird, crazy tattoo, um, biohazard something tattoo on his neck. And I was just like, damn, dude, that's crazy. Like, on your neck, that must have hurt. And then, like, a biohazard tattoo, like, really, like, what type of bold meaning is that? Like, and then this dude, I believe his name was Eric, you know? Never met him before, didn't have no beef with him. I'm shooting the shit with him and I'm trying to treat him like family because this is Melody's family. This guy says, oh, that ain't shit, check this out, right? And he unbuttons his collar button button up shirt and right there dead in the center of his chest plate right there in his chest he shows me a swastika tattoo and I'm like oh hell nah now I've seen a lot of these in my life okay um but it, it triggered me a little bit and I was controlling it for the most part. I'm like, first of all, I'm thinking, why is this white dude decided to show me, unbutton his shirt and say, check this out and reveal a swastika? And what's he think? That I'm gonna just be like, oh, we brothers? Or is I'm hanging out with Ron, I'm hanging out with a black dude, but, but, is that what really just happened? Now I'm looking at Ron. And Ron's literally trying to give him the pass. But I'm like, okay, why does he get this pass? And 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 he, if he does have this, why the hell is he showing it to me right now? So, I, I'm sparking debate now because... I'm trying to educate someone, and at the same time, I'm trying to get understanding. And I asked the man, I said, what makes you think it's okay to show that in public? Then I said, how the hell have you not got that covered up yet? And see, while I'm doing this, I just keep drinking. Now I got so much anxiety and frustration boiling me, I'm drinking because I want to calm down. And then that just like put me over the level, that alcohol limit level, right? Because I didn't know it, but I was drinking to calm down and it wasn't letting me, it was part of the reason it escalated. But I sit there and ask the man, how come you ain't got that covered up yet, dude? He sit there in front of me, he sit there in front of the, his supposedly black friend, Ron, and he said he can't afford it. 
excuse me. I didn't say get the tattoo removed. I said get it covered up. Which is a totally different price. And now we're sitting here in a winery. Drinking this privilege of a wine. Um, acting like we're upper class people. All dressed up. Enjoying the summer. Enjoying service. Tasting. We're not just spending that type of money and that time while he's got a babysitter too at the house, right? Which costs money. And then it costs gas to get there too, right? But this is the same dude who was talking about he had the VIP privilege of being in this VIP meat locker. And he was able to afford, not only did he get invited to the meat locker, but he was able to afford some premium, rare, super special meat. <laughs> and But he can't afford to get the swastika covered up. But he still wants to hang out with black people. This don't make sense. Because if you do have that stuck on you, you don't show it. You don't let it get seen. You got kids. The wrong person sees that. They tell the next cat. And they follow you home. And now your kids and your daughter and your dog are at risk. Your whole neighbor, your whole block. They might get the wrong house. Bullets fly by and they get the wrong kid. But he wants to show it off and his excuse is that he can't afford it. And then his other excuse was that he got it to survive when he got locked up in jail. Now, maybe he was in the penitentiary. Maybe he was there for 10 years. But I've been locked up before too. And when I had a choice to make, I didn't live with any racial guidelines. When, when I was locked up in a 60-man dormitory, I refused to play by that law, by those politics. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you, it was, it was West Valley, okay? I was locked up in West Valley. This is 20 years ago. This was the last time that I was in jail for something that I did wrong. We're gonna talk a lot about these situations. Okay, but 20 years ago, this was the last time I literally did something wrong that deserved for me to be locked up. And I was selling drugs because I was homeless. No family, no education, no help. The only person that helped me was a drug dealer by the name of Blue Rag from Tray 5-7. And he gave me a baggie and said, re-up, and I did. And I was able to eat pizza. And then I kept it moving. At the end of the day, I wasn't just being a punk ass little crackhead drug dealer, wannabe gangbanger. I was trying to survive. And then I was 
helping others, being generous at the same time when I was homeless as well. But we're going to get into that later. We're going to talk about me going to jail. I was in West Valley, a 60-man dorm, where you are in an open space and your bunk is surrounded by more bunks and any one of those bunks can invade your space so there's no cells to protect you and there's no one-on-one if something's going down you're probably going against numbers and I got there I got there and um, because I'm white they want me to line up with the white people and I remember there was this big ogre white dude who made this joke when I got there he tried to make all the other white people laugh he pointed at the blacks and said look at all them niggers he said look at all that antique farm equipment that's what he said This white boy said that shit, right? Now I'm in a 60-man dorm. And I sit down and I eat and I go about my day and I don't talk to nobody. You know, they don't know what's going on in my head. And I just go about my business. I never said who I'm with, what I'm doing. They don't know nothing about my childhood. They don't know nothing about my affiliations or my past. And then, um... Someone comes in that I knew from the outside, black dude. He wants to play chess, and I'm playing chess with him, regardless of what anybody else thinks. The the, the key holder, which they um, they call the wood rep, the white boy, he didn't like that. He tried to, you know, pull me aside and ask me why. And I told him, I said, hey, man, I don't get down with this, okay? My family, my friends, they're not all white. So I'm not in here trying to hate, fight, or protect anybody just because they're white. Now, I don't know how or why he did this, but he could have mopped me up right then and there. And... I would have had to go through the process all over again in a different different um, dormitory, different unit. Or, <laughs> or I would have had to bang on somebody. But he said, so you're not black, you're not white, or you, are you a Christian? You're going to be on a Christian card? And I was like, what? Christian car, he was like, yeah, that's politics, no politics, you're by yourself, no one's going to protect you, but you, you don't have to worry about those politics, those rules, I was like, yep, that's me, right away, I'm the Christian card, he's like, keep your Bible tight, and I did, and in a weird way, God was protecting me, this wood rep must have been a Christian because he gave me an out and um, you know things went along they did their thing I did mine 
A couple days later, though, that white boy that was calling all the blacks antique farm equipment, this guy, he decided to trade something with the black. He traded, like, paper for hair grease or something, envelopes or something. Maybe he had hair grease and he traded it to the blacks for um, envelopes, right? Something like that. The word got around because one of the essays saw what happened. And the word got around and later on that night, they stomped a hole in his head. He was the biggest man in there. And he was talking the most shit. Trying to be the racist, funny guy. And then he decided to be a hypocrite. And trade with them blacks. And his shit. He got, he got molly whopped. He was leaking. And like I said, it was numbers. It was a couple of the essays and a couple of the white boys, which they call Woods. And they were all up on him. The Woods were whooping his ass and the essays were making sure that he didn't have a chance and that none of the guards seen it and that nobody else interfered. This was his little punishment for being a fake little hypocrite racist, wasting his life, wasting his breath, and he got caught up in that mix. Well, I survived all that. That shit went down right next to me, and I survived that because, and I refused to play those games. So this dude, Eric, his excuse was that he had to get that tattoo to survive, and then, 15, 20 years later, after he found a way to find a nice life that ended up with a nice wife and family and and trips to the winery, this guy used money as an excuse to not get that tattoo covered. I couldn't hold it in. You know, I was drunk, and these guys just didn't see the light, you know? Excuses after excuses, and Ron, (laughs) I'm pretty sure Ron loves me even more now, but I end up getting, like, escorted up out of there, and um, Melody had to protect me because I was way too drunk to drive or to take care of myself that evening. You know, I probably could have died if it wasn't for her that night of alcohol poisoning. And not only that, it was an incident at her friend's function, birthday party. And it felt really bad. It felt really bad. Because even though I was right, or or even though I was wrong, I was wrong for the right reasons. And I... um, I got a chance to see, you know, really, really who Melody was that day. She didn't flinch. She never once had a problem with me. Never once had a problem with my opinion or my behavior. 
she um, told me that her, Ron, and her friend, um, Brooke, have had a lot more worse drunk things happen in their, you know, parties and events. So there were really no hard feelings. You know, no fists were blown, thrown, and and uh, nobody got arrested or anything, and I didn't get kicked out forever. <laughs> no memberships banned. But I do remember yelling, this fucking motherfucker had a swastika, yelling, fuck racists, and I just kept going off. I just kept going off, and I needed to leave. I was just past that point where I wanted to carve the swastika off of his chest. So now you guys know where I'm at when it comes to that. And I've had to deal with a lot of bullshit over 2020 because um, I'm white and I've been shaving my head for a couple years now. And I get a lot of weird looks that really, really hurt, really hurt, because people don't know. They think just because I'm shaved head white dude that I'm racist. And here I am going through this battle over a white man that won't get his swastika tattooed, but continues to show it off in 2022. Melody had my back. And she showed her true colors and character. She showed her loyalty. She showed her love. And I felt like that was the first mistake I made in our relationship. And she really didn't make me feel like it was a mistake at all. So um, that's my B-side to my campfire story. It's a good one. I um, I hope you guys stand up and say what needs to be said maybe just with less um, volume with less bass in your voice and less alcohol in your system because um it could have went a lot could have went wrong trying to do the right thing could have went the wrong way for me and Melody and our relationship our friendship so I'm glad it didn't but that was a long campfire I gotta take a break. We gotta get into some more episodes. It's gonna be a heavy one. I'm telling you, this is um, this is the podcast that um, had that has it all: the crypto, the stories, and um, I'm gonna come back right now for some more. So give me a break. Let me wet the whistle, and I'll be back. Listen to this track. You know, um, it's gonna be. A, uh, I gotta get into my habit but I'm gonna start playing tracks in between these segments and um, I don't know the name of it which one I'm gonna play but I'll get better at that so check out the next track too Welcome to Satoshi Vibes, Satoshi Vibes where we talk about blockchain crypto NFTs and preserving Satoshi's vision Welcome back. You're listening to another edition of Satoshi's Vibes. 
This is uh, the part of the podcast where we talk about Bitcoin, blockchain, and preserving Satoshi's vision. Um, there's so many parts of me that just wanted to skip over this part of the podcast, this segment, and continue with the rest. Um, but just like life, when you got so much going on and everything, um, you still have to squeeze in the bills. You still have to squeeze in a shower. And in this situation, I still have to squeeze in an um, education for myself and the people I really care about. And for you, my listeners. So let's squeeze in a couple moments here so that we can uh, get caught up with what's new in um, the blockchain and crypto. Recently, the, the U.S. Federal Reserve announced a guideline that um, pertains to crypto banks entering our traditional banking system. The central bank, basically, will have set up a three-tier system, and it will determine whether or which financial institutions have access and permissions to do whatever. And as a part of these guidelines, the financial products will have access to the Fed's master accounts and payment services, which might include SWIFT and um, all the other mechanisms that we currently use. Um, <clears throat> this, this is um, this is a big step for many reasons. Um, this is a big step in regulation. Regulation is what the institutions are waiting on, so that they can dive in really deep and go really hard. Without regulation, the institutions cannot risk moving a majority of their balance sheet to digital assets, to crypto. So they're literally waiting on it. Some have took a portion of their balance sheet, 15% maybe, but most institutions want to utilize a lot more. And they can't afford to do it because they're waiting on regulation so they understand the laws. The Fed's making this move has a lot to do with trying to keep status quo, trying to intertwine the revolution, the revelation that Satoshi's made and found, and basically convolute it with the existing system that we know is a sham, 
the existing system that we know is inevitably going to fail us. This, um, I guess you could say outline, has a, a, a few uh, key takeaways. The Federal Reserve um, released a guideline that might grant crypto banks access to the master account. Access from the Fed will allow financial institutions to provide crypto and traditional banking services. So instead of all these upstart crypto exchanges and DeFi's rising to the top, it looks like only a few, maybe like Kraken, um, Crypto.com, Coinbase, um, only a few are going to survive this. The rest are going to get swallowed up and, <clears throat> and everything's going to start flowing towards Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and the rest of the existing institutions that are pulling those strings. And these guidelines have a three-tiered system. Okay, One, the tier one will be federally insured. So your money, your, 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 your US fiat, and your crypto will be insured in those accounts. Tier two, which is a gray area for now, but obviously we'll figure out what the companies decide to do with it. They will be able to operate but will not be insured. However, will be subject to taxes, laws, and other protocols and guidelines. And in tier three, this is um, for applicant institutions that are not federally insured and not subject to prudential supervision by any federal banking agency. Now it sounds like to me I want to be in tier three. And it sounds like tier three is only there um, for I guess a small niche of people. And we don't know how long that window of opportunity will even remain open. But it seems like tier three is the only chance we have of preserving Satoshi's vision. And it appears according to the news, according to these press releases by the feds, that the reason that this tier three is is going to exist is to protect the Wyoming crypto banks such as Custodia and Kraken. So that's the news. That's what we have going on right now. I'm dealing with everything I got going on in my life and I still have to learn about crypto. I have to know what's coming next. I have to think, evaluate, strategize, 
how I'm going to react accordingly. What crypto I'm going to accumulate. Where I'm going to stash that crypto. These laws are going on while everybody's being distracted with a bunch of other stuff. And if you pay attention and you follow the breadcrumbs, it will tell you the truth. So do a little bit more research. Find out exactly what the Federal Reserve is. I talked about it in the last episode. Find out more about this press release. And before I let you go, you need to acknowledge now that Wyoming looks like crypto freedom, right? But you also have to consider Puerto Rico, which I am, and Florida, because these states are not taxing crypto. Crypto taxes don't exist in these states. They implemented laws to allow you to profit and do your thing with crypto without the traditional taxes. And Florida actually has it to where the residents are gaining, I think it's called like a Miami coin, not all Florida, but Miami. Um, If you own Bitcoin and you're participating in certain, uh, what is the node or validations on the blockchain, you are earning Miami coin. So I really don't know everything about Miami coin, but I'm sure that more cities will adopt stuff like that. And um, with this crypto advancement, big states like California might even think about becoming sovereign nations and emancipating from the United States of America. Um, not going to happen tomorrow but right now they are talking about regulating crypto and when it's done all these institutions are going to splurge and when they splurge before you accumulate the price is going to go up and it will be too late for you to profit so do your research find out which coins are for you Find out which coins are going to be around for the next five or ten years. And then um, get as much more of this information as you can. And since I got so much going on, maybe you can do me a favor and share some with me. But until next time, I'm DJ Melodic. That's another version of Satoshi's vibes. And we talk about Satoshi's vision, crypto, technology, NFTs, blockchain gaming, and uh, this episode, this podcast wouldn't be right without squeezing in a little bit of that. So just like the regular life, I had to squeeze it in. Now it's time to keep it moving. I'm going to take a quick break, and I'm going to come back with the, the novella.
true stories about the legends we admire and the forks in the road that made them. This is The Road to Glory. Alright family, this is a very special Road to Glory. I'm really proud to talk about this next um, feature. His name is Tom McDonald. Okay, he's a lyricist, a rapper, a musician, and um, he's from Canada, Canadian American, um, who's a little bit younger um, than me. He's around uh, 33 years old, about now. Now. Um, Tom McDonald is a very independent rapper, has not signed with any major labels. He um, was able to appear on the Billboard Top 100 um, with, I think, like five or six songs. Dear Rappers, Fake Woke, Snowflakes, Brainwashed, they all appeared in the top 100 in 2021. He did that without any um, marketing budget. He did that without any label driving affiliations and affiliate marketing. So that was all steam that was created from his fans and his talent. It's very, very, very rare to find that in today's era, especially in hip-hop. I grew up loving hip-hop. And when I was a child, I dreamed about being a Laker and going on the Wake Up Show, which is an underground church, an underground hip-hop church, so to say. And the wake-up show was my tabernacle. I dreamed of going, and I made it at one point. I made it to the wake-up show. And shortly after that, I, um, I seen hip-hop in a different light. A disgusting, like, perspective, you know. I was able to see it for what it really became instead of like a shallow how blind vision of what I fell in love with and Tom McDonald touches on issues like that in a lot of his music how the, the industry has watered down the music Tom talks about how the media and the mainstream drives you to want certain things. A thugged out gangster rap star, right? And we you know we might be talking about one like Rick Ross running around smoking cigars and and um, acting like he's a kingpin, you know? But Rick Ross used to be a cop. So the contradiction there, the hypocrisy, 
and then you know E40 and a bunch of other people are doing songs with Rick Ross ignoring the facade and Tom talks about a lot of the facade not just in hip hop but in life and because of that truth um, he's got a lot of fans and I'm one of them and the um, you know for someone like me if I can't make music better than Tom, then there's no point. He's doing it, he's saying what needs to be said. And he's doing it in such a stylish and cool way. He's doing it with all the different flavors of hip hop that you can imagine. And he just shows his diversity and creativity. He shows his personality. And his brainwaves are very much in tune with a lot of people like me. I know um, a, a couple, couple, um, a couple months ago, maybe I saw this interview. It was Mike Tyson interviewing Eminem, and he told Eminem that he respected Eminem because. Eminem is the only white boy in the world that knows what it's like to be black. And that's not true. Eminem responded by saying, oh, I'm, um, I'm flabbergasted, I'm speechless, I don't know what to say. And he chuckles. He's not even reading the room right. You know, because Mike Tyson is trying to give him props and basically give him a black card. And he says he's the only white boy with that black card, you know, because he knows what it's like to be black. But that's not true. You know, I I grew up, in many instances, I was labeled a Uyghur. And I know for sure Tom McDonald, Kid Rock, and um, Mad Child, and maybe even Logic. There's plenty other white hip hoppers besides Eminem and and white wiggers around the world that know exactly what it's like to be black. Because the blacks that we know didn't suffer from slavery. So yeah, we can't relate to that. But we do share the same ghettos and the same high schools. And we play on the same teams. And we are striving to stay alive from the same bully, aggressive, prejudicial and stereotypical police and judicial systems. And in his music, Tom McDonald will really let you know that Mike Tyson was wrong. I'm telling you right now, from my life experience, Mike Tyson is wrong. Eminem is the only, not the only one that gets it. And there's millions of them that get it, 
millions of us that get it and we fight with our fists raised and we march and we speak speak out for the right reasons I'm gonna play a quick little sample of a Tom McDonald song I can't play the whole thing I don't know the rules and podcast regulations and laws and stuff I'm gonna just stick to playing my music but I'm gonna take a quick sample of this of Tom McDonald so you know who he is and how it all correlates with this episode this segment is not just part of the episode for no reason this is a a song from Tom McDonald called No Lives Matter President, if you don't, then you trash. Indoctrinate the nation using news and mainstream rap. The government abuses us, it's all part of the plan. And it's so confusing. Black Lives Matter is a valuable movement, but all lives matter ain't racist or stupid. It's non black humans who don't feel included. All colors fall under laws to govern the whole country, and we all suffer. We're all broke, and nobody recovers until we accept that we're all brothers. That was just a quick little sample. He's got so many different expressions of what's really going on in the world. While the rest of this music is trying to get you to do drugs, um, get drunk, act crazy, dress in a certain way, or carry enough chains or enough guns to be cool. And um, Tom McDonald's not glorifying that. He's actually trying to unify us through the truth. And I, I have to tip my hat to that. I have to say that Tom McDonald's become, in my eyes, the greatest rapper of all time. He has taken the role that Slim Shady should have taken. And he just kept going and going and going. And see, personally, I feel for him and this music. I know what it's like when I was marching you know, for Hispanic rights, immigration rights, civil rights, um, after the Rodney King situation. You know, I was always with the minorities and different cultures in in activism I was I was doing that since I was doing walkouts since 6th grade but in 2020 when everybody wanted to get divided over this racial stuff I even had one of my black clients decide to stop using me after years of service specifically because he wanted to find someone that provided the same service but was black. 
And that is literally reverse racism. Yelp wants to know if I support black businesses, but they don't care if I support Hispanic or Asian businesses or Native American businesses. Their only concern is black. That's more division. That's more segregation. You cannot resolve the problem with the problem. You don't solve hatred with more hatred. And a lot of people haven't recognized Tom McDonald's music for what it's really what it was really worth. This priceless um like form of activision that entertains enough to lead the youth in the right direction as opposed to 99% of the stuff that's going on everywhere else i really am proud of tom mcdonald i can't say that enough i'm jealous in a lot of ways i wish i had that talent I wish I had that team. I wish I had those breaks. And I wish I was strong enough to deliver those messages that creatively. Um he's one of the most successful independent rappers of all time. Maybe maybe Tech Nine is probably the only one that's more successful. And Tech Nine's career is like twice as long. So go check out Tom McDonald. Okay? Um he's got a he's got probably he, he might be closing in on a thousand songs by now. I know for sure that the man has a hundred songs out there that are worth listening to. Go check him out. YouTube Tom McDonald. Um I don't know when he decided to be this type of artist, but I know that he dreamed of being a professional wrestler. And he started rapping around age 18 or whatever. He was probably rapping just like everybody else about shooting dice, about um going to the club and you know, you know surviving and in life but being able to twist this type of poetry the way he does it um it's legendary and when he decided to 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 be the outspoken activist that he is that fork in the road led to me finding him and I'm sure that that fork in the road is why there's millions of fans that support his music. And he speaks the truth. He speaks the truth and um I can't say enough about it. Okay, so go check it out. That's Tom McDonald. Okay? And his road to glory. Um I could say his fork in the road was definitely deciding to be that rap activist that we all need
All right, all right. So we're going to have to skip a couple of the segments for this episode. I'm not going to have a two-hour episode. Let's go ahead and skip the uh, spotlight of the day. We'll go ahead and catch up with that on the next time. And we'll go ahead and and skip um, vibing with Melody. Because Melody's... uh, Melody's story right now is a little too deep. It's a little too long. And um, I think that um, I'm going to have to probably designate the entire next episode to Melody's progress. You know, giving you guys an update on what she's going through, what we're going through. So with that being said, um, I'm going to try to wrap it up real quick for today's episode. Once again, it's called Fuck Racist. And um, I thought it was a good um, chance to tell you guys a story about me and Melody at the winery. I thought it was a perfect opportunity to introduce those of you that don't know so that you have a chance to get to know. Tom McDonald. Um, his music's very important. And I think that um, all races of music can relate. And I think all races need to hear it right now. Considering what we went through, um, we needed that to get through the pandemic. I needed it. I really needed it. And I wasn't the only one going through that reverse racism. And um, being able to get through it, uh, having to relate to it, you know, um, music to relate to, it really helped get through it. So um, I want to kind of leave you with a touchy subject this outro. Uh, We're talking about racism. And I think that I personally have identified the the flame. The flame, the spark that lit this entire racist bullshit that we went through. You know, um, a lot of people will say that it was George Floyd and the incident when the police mistreated him and murdered him. Um, Personally, I can tell you there's two sides to that story because I've resisted arrest before. And when you resist arrest, you go through that. You know what could happen. So when he didn't cooperate, he made it harder on himself. The police didn't handle it the right way because they're scared and maybe even racist and maybe wanted to murder right, maybe think the worst, whatever you want. But that George Floyd situation it happens every day it happens every day and it happens to 
Asians, it happens to Mexicans, it happens to white people in the ghetto too. And not only are the police doing it to us, but we're doing it to ourselves. So this death wasn't the spark, it wasn't the flame. Instead, it was the rally point, it was the backbone. The spark, the, the flame that kind of lit, this, kept this pilot lit this entire time and ruined our chance to handle COVID properly was Donald Trump. Donald Trump, as much as I wanted to support him, and as much as I believe that he's not a politician, he's a real American, as much as I believe that we need a real American in the president's seat and other political seats, as much as I wanted him to succeed, I'm telling you right now, Donald Trump failed us. And it's not for the reasons you think. Um, I take everything that we went through over the past couple years, I think we all mishandled it pandemic and everything in between, the economy, the racial tension. We all, as a collective, mishandled it. And I realized that the reason that we mishandled it is because we were not united. We haven't been. We might be growing towards being more united than we've ever been. But this came a point where that stopped and we kind of digressed and became worse. Like I said in the previous segments, um, the uh, 2022, excuse me, the 2020 racial tension that we had was worse than I've seen since the mid 90s. So we're talking about 25 years of regression at the snap of a finger. And the reason this happened was because Donald Trump failed us. There was a war going on and most of you don't see it. Most of you don't care about it. And most of you will call me crazy for even mentioning it. But this war over money and power has been and will continue to exist. The United States president, whether black or white, left or right, will always be caught in the middle of that war and a target from, and a target within the war. 
Even though Donald Trump didn't create this war, he's very wealthy. He understands how it operates. He ran for president, and then he gets more understanding of its operation. And it's all about power and money. But we were getting better with the racial tensions. And um, Donald Trump um, kind of found a way to get more votes. And he didn't know it. I believe deep down in my heart, honestly, that he didn't do it on purpose. I don't think he knew what he was doing. But he opened up this racial Pandora's box and ripped that bandaid up and he opened the door for his enemies to use it against him. This is the reason why Donald Trump lost the election. This is the reason we were not united enough to handle COVID properly. It all goes back to Donald Trump signaling out and attacking Colin Kaepernick. Trump did it because he thought he'd get votes. He thought he could rally the Patriots because it was national news. It was first time really things have happened like this in a long time and it was trending. And it's trending so much that the president thought he could weigh in and sway votes with his opinion. He thought by bashing Colin Kaepernick, he would get more patriots and American hardcore flag-bearing Americans to vote for him. And they did. And he won. But that, how can you say that? Activism, it came from a mixed, multiracial, strong, Afro, and a lot of powers and a lot of groups. They ran with that. The media, the the white supremacists even ran with that. And before you know it, Donald Trump's trying to get people to rally um, get patriots to, to, to rally votes with his patriotism, right? But before you know it now, it's black versus white. Once again, it's civil, social injustice, which Colin Kaepernick has every right to stand up for. When you're mistreated, it doesn't matter where or by who, you're allowed to stand up for that. If your peers are mistreated, 
you're allowed, you're supposed to stand up for that. And Colin Kaepernick being mixed, he was privileged and cursed enough to see both sides of the spectrum. And at the end of the day, his heart was trying to help, not divide. He was trying to bring attention so that he could help. And even though both of these men thought they were doing the right thing, the the force of each's opinion and the force of their supporters provoked this racial and social injustice debate. Now you have it look like Colin Kaepernick doesn't respect America and that's got a lot of hatred and, and, and things to go with it, right? And then it looks like Donald Trump is racist because he has insensitive to Colin Kaepernick's plight, his his cause. He's in it looks like Donald Trump is literally insensitive to social injustice. It looks like that, right? So, many of you don't know, I'm going to Google this right now, Um, many of you don't know, but there is a white Marine that met with Colin Kaepernick. He's a former military veteran, okay? And he was appalled by Colin Kaepernick sitting on the bench and refusing to take part in a national anthem. And when Colin Kaepernick met with this guy, the um, the conversation was healthy enough so that both could see each other's side of the story, side of the argument. And, you know, he knelt for police brutality and racial injustice. Excuse me, he protested, right? But what most people don't know is that this guy, this former Marine, is the guy who suggested for Colin Kaepernick to kneel. former Marine. And um, a veteran and NFL Nate Boyer, that's his name. Okay. Former retired Army Green Beret Nate Boyer. This was the white man the former veteran that had a civil 
productive meeting with Colin Kaepernick and convinced him to stop pouting on the bench alone, but to take a knee and to convince his others to take a knee in solidarity to protest. Because taking a knee traditionally is a sign of respect. So now you have Colin Kaepernick and Nate Boyer still trying to do the right thing. But you have this other group, this media-driven group, this fake woke, and I'm gonna wake everybody up fakely, type of activism that is in the back of Colin Kaepernick's movement, building an unhealthy momentum that doesn't see Donald Trump trying to get votes from patriots. He sees, they see, and they project their vision to others, that Donald Trump is trying to get votes from white supremacists. And now you have Donald Trump all of a sudden as the leader of the KKK and every other white racial group that's out there. I really don't know how this happened. I know it has a lot to do with social media. I know it has a lot to do with fake news. Um, But I also know that there's a war going on and there's a lot of Geppettos out there pulling strings. This stirred up a racial tension that we haven't seen in 25 years. And that flame was there. It was it was getting hotter like it was like the water was simmering and boiling. And then the George Floyd incident occurred. And we're already in lockdown and we're already going through some crazy stuff that we haven't seen in our generation. not being properly informed, not being equally loved and guided by our government and leaders. Things like this are gonna happen and I'm I'm honestly surprised it's not worse. If you knew how money really works in this country, that riot would have never stopped. If you understood that all of this was meant to distract us, from the blockchain and from regulating crypto and from the powers that be staying on top of that money, if you really knew that, those riots would have never stopped. And I get why the riots happened and I get why they burned down a couple police stations. I felt bad for some of the police because they're not all bad. A lot of them are good. But... Nothing's perfect. And when you shine that much light on the negative, then then we have stuff like that ensue. Trying to understand it all, I followed the breadcrumbs. That's all I had to do. But I'm following the breadcrumbs 
and I'm angered by the people that look at me like I'm racist. Knowing damn well I probably got more black card than Eminem. But it hurt. It hurt. It angers you to the point where, like, you want to defend yourself. And then you want to defend all the other white people that aren't racist. Like the white people that marched with Martin Luther King years ago. We would not be where we're at now if it wasn't for white people allowing the end of racism. We would not be where we are right now if it wasn't for white people marching with Martin Luther King. It took white people to get to this point. And then it felt like everybody was trying to eradicate anybody that wasn't, anybody that just fit the wrong stereotype. Trump, I mean, he had people like Herschel Walker, you know, sticking out for him. Herschel Walker was one of my heroes when I was a kid. For those of you who don't know, he was one of the biggest, strongest, fastest athletes ever put in the NFL. Did a thousand sit-ups a day, a thousand push-ups a day. He played for the Cowboys and the Eagles. He's a beast. He's a good friend of Trump and I remember reading articles where you know back in the day blacks weren't allowed in in the country clubs inside in Florida golf courses and Trump was one of the first ones to allow that Trump was one of the first ones to fight for those changes with Oprah alongside Oprah We got the history to prove it. And then even after everyone turned against him because they thought he was racist and no longer wanted to hear his values because they thought he was racist. And that's his fault because he never came out and apologized to Colin Kaepernick. He couldn't even identify where it all went wrong. If he comes out mid-pandemic and apologizes to Colin Kaepernick, America's trajectory changes. He still hasn't apologized to Kaepernick. And anybody who votes for Donald Trump is a fool. If Donald Trump runs again, he's a fool. We needed him. We needed a president like him and we needed him more than ever in my lifetime and probably American history. This pandemic, this financial situation, we needed him now more than ever with the crypto global coin rush, with the phenomenon of AI and all this new technology coming abroad. We needed him more and he failed us. So I would say don't vote for him. And anybody who 
talks about rallying the troops to get him reelected should be smacked. We need a better version of him. Maybe um, the Santos and Marco Rubio combined forces and we'll get some Latin flavor in the White House. That would be nice. But not Trump. He's not racist, and I feel really bad for him that he had to go through what he went through. He, nobody could have been prepared for all of that at one time. And um, I really hope one day he hears this and apologizes to Colin Kaepernick. Because at the end of the day, um, after we all turned against him, as a collective, we turned against him. And, you know, they have this thing where the president gets to pardon. Criminals, I guess, right? See, this, I don't even like this. This is, I could talk about this for an hour. A president pardoning a criminal as his last act of presidency <clears throat> doesn't that just seem like a loophole for him to get his homies out I mean it seems like a government loophole for politicians to get their other politicians out just in case something goes wrong it's, you don't see them go I mean Obama did free a couple people who were locked up innocently forever but you know what Trump does? Ignorantly, he tries to prove he's not racist. And he goes and pardons Kodak Black and Lil Wayne. Like as if their money might be enough to campaign his reelection. And if that's his way of showing that he's not racist, it's garbage. It's a poor attempt and poor decision for your last act of presidency. Because you had both of them in there for weapons charges. Carrying a gun and that usually leads to people dying. I I like Lil Wayne, I kinda like Kodak, a couple of his songs. I love Lil Wayne. I love Lil Wayne. I stuck up for Lil Wayne as a as a lyricist. I watched him grow up. And doesn't care how much I love his music. He had an unregistered weapon. And our president gave him a get out of the jail free card for it. That's what's wrong with this world. Hypocrisy, it's popularity. It's like the fucking senior um, dance, and who's ever prom king and prom queen that year gets to make the decisions. We gotta fix this. I don't know how. Government, money, but most of all, we have to fix these racial issues. 
There's no reason for us to resist it any longer. We are already a melting pot. And that's why anybody and everybody should say fuck racists. I googled it. I tried to buy a t-shirt a couple years ago. I wanted to wear it to a Rage Against the Machine concert. Actually, no, it was um, it was Cypress Hill and the cover band when they did it with Rage Against the Machine. Oh, man, I forgot. Like It was called Renegades of Funk or something like that. Um, and I wanted to have a t-shirt that said fuck races from, from when I walked around the concert. I googled it. You can't find one in the store. I googled it. You can't even find one ready to go on the internet. I had to have one custom made. So you mean to tell me (laughs) that, you know, Forrest Gump and all these other t-shirts can get made. And Legos and all these other injustices around the world, LGBT and rainbows and can nobody come up with a t-shirt that says fuck racist was I really the first one I paid thirty dollars at the Moreno Valley Mall to have a cheap ass t-shirt made the first time I watched it the letters start ripping off but I was really proud of that purchase and that's who I am and that's what this podcast is I'm really tired of it and I want everybody to know what side of the fence I'm on okay I'll do the right thing at the right time for humanity okay not because of a race or a country or anything in between that There's no prejudice in me. And um, I try to avoid all the stereotypes. It's kind of hard. If you see a mohawk, hey, he might be a rocker, right? Right? It's kind of hard. Stereotypes are embedded into society. But at the end of the day, I just want to hear you guys say it with me, tweet it with me, retweet it, drop it in the comments, okay? Add me, DJ Melodic, and just say it one time, and I love you for it. Fuck racists. All right, now it's time to say goodbye, people. You know, I, I got to give a big hug, much love. Out to uh, Geocat Proline. Thanks once again for sponsoring another episode of my Mind of Melodic podcast. I'm DJ Melodic. I'm the DJ, producer, engineer. I'm a crypto nerd, Marvel fanatic, and I survived the crazy life that I want to share with you guys. So this podcast is um, something worth tuning into and hitting that subscribe button. I'm missing my co-star Melody right now. But on the next episode, I think I'm going to find a new co-star, okay? Um, I'm going to try to take a break from the rest of 
the world with the rest of life and, and, and have recess with AJ. So hopefully I can share that with you and um, incorporate him into the podcast. And so maybe if Melody comes back, we can uh, be like kind of like Voltron and be a super team. Okay, so uh, just like regular life, when I need a break, I have recess with AJ. Same with the podcast, same with the stress, same with the message I'm trying to send to you. We'll take a break. We'll have some fun with AJ and get inside his mind. All right, so that's enough for today. Uh, the lights are out. The refrigerator's closed. Eggs are getting hard. The butter's getting hard. The eggs are cooling and that jello's jiggling. So check out this new track and uh, tune into the next episode so you can find out what's going on with Queen Melody. I'm DJ Melodic, and I'm out. I want to talk about sludge. It happens after you drive your vehicle for a while. It's a buildup of motor oil that gels, then collects dirt, metals, and unburned fuel. Sludge prevents oil from getting to the critical engine parts it's designed to protect. You'll notice your vehicle running rough, stalling, even vibrating. That's because friction is damaging your engine. Jillcat Proline is the solution. The science was engineered for aerospace, tested in racing, and used by our military. Now, you can use this well-kept secret to protect your engine from future buildup, extend the life of the vehicle, and save on repair costs. Order at jillcat.com. J-I-L-C-A-T dot com.